This episode brought to you by Cuesta Verde Home Developments. Located in the Simi Valley, this picturesque neighborhood has all that an all-American family could ask for. Picturesque vistas, friendly neighbors, liberal building standards, lost souls and demons, and ample parking. Come see our Model A home floor plan, which features vaulted ceilings, an in-ground pool, and is entirely collapsible into a single infinitesimally small point in space. That's Cuesta Verde off Highway 118 on the corner of Cottonwood Road and Roxbury Street, located over a burial ground. If you're looking for where everyone goes to call home, they're here. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Wow, that didn't sound good. Hey, 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 horror fans. Hi, sorry, high energy. Hey, 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 horror fans. <laughs> Way to catch yourself. This is your host, your, your host with the most, Dr. Bryce Hansen. I hold a PhD in spookology, and my friend across from me is... David Day, um, <laughs> foremost expert in scare notice. That's me. Um, welcome. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you give my computer levels? Yep, sorry. Sabrina, don't just stare at it. Eat it. That's better. So, if you're new to the show, welcome. <laughs> How many times am I going to say welcome? Welcome, welcome, you can, welcome. You can tell me. I, uh, as always, I've stayed up till 1 o'clock the previous night. Um, check out our website at horrormovietalk.com. There you'll find links to all our past episodes and links to our social media where you can communicate with us and other great horror fans. We post new episodes every Wednesday. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail, our number is 682-253-4468. That number again is, you can rewind it. Today we've got a great show, one that, honestly, it's one of my favorite movies uh in the genre and it's surprising that we haven't covered it till now it's shocking really this, uh, this is such a staple this is this is on the slow this is on the short list for why the fuck have we not reviewed this movie yet this and the thing is like what yeah what what have you been doing <laughs> if not reviewing these movies yeah we're talking about poltergeist that's right i don't care what you have to say about poltergeist we're gonna i'm gonna force you to hear me talk about it uh, we'll start out by giving a brief review and score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge where it makes you angry, 5 being an average film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being so good it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we'll get a, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film, and then later on we'll be playing a new game called Ooh. Remake or No Remake. Wow. going to test you to see if you... Know whether a, rel I guess, relatively classic horror movie has been remade or not. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds like it would be pretty good. You know, anybody who has some bad things to say about Poltergeist, you may want to check yourself a little bit at least. Like, first of all, 
I probably agree with you a little bit, but also, you know who directed this, right? It's the guy who made Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Toby Hooper. Mm -hmm. And you know who produced this, right? It's one of the best directors, writers, producers of all time, Steven Spielberg. Right. Maybe not writers. So, anyways, we we rewatched Poltergeist. I think we've both seen it. Oh, yeah. Already. I've seen it a couple times. And except for some floating green screen lamps, it still holds up. Here is the trailer for Poltergeist. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. You are so With their three children. And something more. of this recording can be found on netflix it's usually swapped between netflix and amazon prime that makes sense um from the director that brought you the cannibalistic families in texas toby hooper's poltergeist is the story of the freeling family being tormented by an unseen force and they're totally not built over a cemetery house <laughs> <laughs> just kidding it's obviously spielberg's film um, the Freelings are an aggressively all-American family comprised of the father, Steve, played by Craig T. Nelson, mother, Diane, played by Jo Beth Williams, almost non-existent teenage daughter, Dana, played by Dominique Dunn, Rip, and young boy, Robbie, played by Oliver Robbins, and the littlest and most angelic little girl, Carol Ann. Just a cute as a button mm -hmm. little sweetheart. Played by Heather O'Rourke. Rip. Uh, Re oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. She died in ch she died like childhood, huh? 12. 
Oh. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty rough. I mean, this is this is one of those movies they talk about when they talk about cursed productions. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like weird deaths and stuff. I think in Poltergeist Two, they actually brought out like a like an Indian witch doctor or something to like bless the production or something. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh. Hip, 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 hip. Carol Ann, the little girl. Oh, I also I read a piece of trivia. The casting of Carol Ann. Um. Drew Barrymore was up for the part. I've I remember hearing this. And Spielberg was like, no. We need someone cuter and more angelic. Holy shit. <laughs> what wasn't she in E. T.? Yes. Drew Barrymore. Which was, was filmed it? in like eighty three. Back to back. Yeah. I think it was like right after this. Yeah. So This was eighty two. This was released in eighty two. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and E. T. was released in eighty four, which means it was probably either in production at this point. Or I was being cast maybe around I think the time shot, of shooting. I think there. they were shot almost at the same time because they're, oh, okay. the other trivia piece was one of the rumors of the reasons why Steven Spielberg was the actual director of this movie was that um, it was to get around contract negotiations to for him to be able to basically direct hmm. two films Wow! at the same time. Wow. Uh Anyways, uh, Carol Ann, the little girl, starts talking uh, to the TV, and not in the wholesome Blue's Clues kind of way, more of the talking to whispers and the static kind of talking. Mm, Troubling. Weird occurrences start happening at first to the delight and then to the horror of the family when it ramps up and the house steals Carol Ann into the netherworld. A haggard Stephen Freeling recruits paranormal investigators and the world's tiniest psychic to get Carol Ann back and exorcise the demons from their house. Um, that's the synopsis. My review is I'm an unapologetic uh, lover lover of this movie. Um, it really is the template for family-based haunted house horror for me. Um, well, maybe modern day, but like you can just take this template of them discovering them being affected and them like overcoming and just stamp this on pretty much any haunted house movie. And I'll be like, okay, I'm on board. Mm. Um, it really has something for everyone. It's accessible enough for general audiences that don't want to see gore or be consistent or constantly scared out of their gourd. Uh, but it also has enough scares and like, genuinely good special effects to satisfy horror fanatics. The special effects in this are astonishingly good for 1982. Like, uh, like it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that this is 82. Yeah. And frankly, and like any special effects movies that blows you away, it was of course made by uh, ILM. ILM? Uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, okay. Which is George Lucas's special effects company up until recently, I guess. Some of the two, the two most impressive in yeah. terms of their net wealth <laughs> yeah. that we were looking at during the trailer. Yeah. Uh, directors, or I should say movie producers, makers, directors, whatever you want to call it, are Steven Spielberg. Auteurs. Auteurs. Steven Spielberg's net worth is $3.8 billion. And if you think that's impressive, then you'd be shocked to find out the person who trumps him by 
double <laughs> is George Lucas, mm-hmm. who did it all with basically one movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <sighs> well, you're telling me uh, Red Wings didn't bring in all that dough? <laughs> what was that movie called? Uh, Red Wings or Red something? I don't know. The, oh, anyways. On, a, on the scale of Ghostbusters to Exorcist, Poltergeist definitely leans more towards Ghostbusters, but it matches the quality of both, in my I, opinion. I mentioned, I'm so glad you brought up Ghostbusters, because this is a Ghostbusters movie. Right. This is pre-Ghostbusters spe- Ghostbusters. Yeah, the special effects are look straight out of Ghostbusters, and, and the ones that work, at least. Right. Like the ethereal, kind of cool. A lot of them effects. are even better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is another example of Spielberg being a master storyteller. There's very little fluff and it's finely paced, but there are, and there are a constant stream of little vignettes that add character, humor, and realism to the story. Um, again, I love this movie. I think it's just one of the most... Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll sound pretentious, like one of the most important and uh, best horror movies ever made. I give it a 10 out of 10. This is going to be an interesting episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I take issue with some of the things that you mentioned, not mm-hmm. many, but in particular, um, there's a, a part, portion you said there's very little fluff in this finely paced film. This is... Oh, really a lot of fluff to me. This is really an astonishingly exorbitant amount of fluff in this movie. And the, while the bones of it are good, I can't be scared and never could, um, at, during this movie, uh, because it just, it just does a few basic things wrong. Okay. For me. Um, one of the most hard to pin down, uh, but now that I realize it, what it is, is there's at any given moment, there's five people on the screen mm-hmm. having normal conversation while while a piece of toast is crawling across the floor or something like that, which just takes the spook right out of it. It, it normalizes scary shit and puts it in big crowds of people where they're just like, I got to take a shit. Okay, well, come on back. Hope you don't tear off your face in the meantime. Uh, oh, you're back. Did you tear off your face? Yes, I did. Well, that's unfortunate. But it just normalizes scares in such a cram-packed. Like they jam. You know, like, you, you, have you ever, you ever taken a sleeping bag that's just too big for its bag and just been like... And you're just sure the bag is going to explode because of the pressure. Uh That's what this movie feels like to me with uh, visual scares. It's just nonstop. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a certain desensitization that happens. Very early. At the probably midpoint of the end of the movie. And it, it goes like real bonkers, like especially towards the end, like... It is yelling and screaming and, and loud sounds and right. everything happening for a long time. And it's it's one of those things, if you're bought into the movie by that point, like, you're engaged. Right. And if you're not, it's like, all right, where's where's the breathing point? Where, where do we get to come up, with, come up for some air kind of thing? I think it's 
I don't know. I guess it's two ways of looking at the same thing. Cause yeah. I, I look at it as saying like, there's very little fluff because everything happens and everything is like stuffed in there with no like extraneous moments or extraneous like exposition. Yeah. Um, and you're saying it's all packed into there to where it's so tight. You can't breathe. It's so dense, but, but it's also long. It's also too long for me. I'm constantly bothered by and and look if I have time to get bored in a long movie then then I just start I literally just start seeing it as an editor going you cut this out you cut this out that took 15 seconds too long this took a minute and a half too long and then I just I'm just irritated by the fact that this could have been an hour and a half mm-hmm. and uh I don't even remember what the playing time was for this it's uh, about uh, it's one hour and 54 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's not too long. It's too long. <laughs> it's too long for this. Um, it's it, I get real bored at about the midway point on this movie. And then I'm just like, I'm just trying to make it through really very much, which is unfortunate because it has a lot of impressive, technically impressive pieces throughout. See, I love it. I love the story. I think it, this boils down to a lot. This is this. Look, you either have strong nostalgia for this movie or you don't. No, I mean, I didn't see this until adulthood. So yeah. I don't have nostalgia for it. Wow. I just watched it like unaffected. I, I think you do have nostalgia for it. I think you do. As I was watching this, as I was watching this, I was like, I get why Bryce loves this movie. This is like super like white bread <laughs> middle america suburbia horror uh-huh and it's it's everything about his childhood that he remembers fondly <laughs> i'm sure of it i'm sure of that fact uh th- sure yeah i mean if you if you grew up like in this type of family it feels more real to you like so it's yeah it resonates, you know. Or your mom and dad smoking a bunch of pot after you went to Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I, yes, there are things you could cut out of it. Like there's, there's like a whole basic act you could cut out. The whole stuff with like the paranormal um, investigators, like you could just not do that. You could just jump right to they, actually, they hire a, a psychic. I kind of like that. Yeah, the, I do too. I think it's great. Yeah. Because it develops it. It goes from the family. So here's the here's the ramp up that I love is all American family. Everything's great. Kind of weird little things start yeah, happening, but yeah. no one notices it uh-huh. to weird stuff starts yeah. happening and they do notice it and they're like, whoa. We all recognize this weird stuff's happening. And then the, and then there's they get it happens so much that they get numbed out to it and they're just sitting there drinking coffee while the fucking steak crawls across the <laughs> counter. They're they're it goes from that to all of a sudden it ramps up really quick to oh it stole our kid. Yeah. And then it jumps forward in time like he's completely haggard. They've yeah. obviously been like dealing with this for weeks and like <laughs> like recruit this paranormal investigators to where at this point they are like it's so old school old yeah, news old to hat, them yeah they're like uh-huh uh-huh and the paranormal investigators are like yeah wow this is, this is incredible to where they're like shaking yeah and then it goes from that to like we are over our heads right. and then they have to in, 
like ramp up and get recruit more people, which is Tangina. And then it like, and then it starts going down to the end to where yeah, and then you have like, your final act. stuff is resolved, you know, epilogue craziness. Um, but that ramp up is very, very natural and it really works for me. So a few things. There are also a, a few points in this where the movie, where I go, well, that's just dumb. I, I go, that that would never, if, if, if a ghost took my child away, there's no way I wouldn't be fucking calling everybody on earth. And right. he's, he's like a week into this thing. He's like, look, I haven't even called the cops yet. I, mean, like, I was like, okay, come on. Yeah. Um, but, but I'll tell you what, this movie is basically just close encounters of the third kind. Oh, and this is why it feels so Steven Spielbergy, is because it has an auxiliary act where you are where it's a playful act mm-hmm. where it's like first you have the intro here's our family and then here's the playful act where uh-huh. it lulls you into a false sense of security uh-huh. and where we're sliding across the floor and we got a chair and we got it all drawn out and we're getting obsessed with it mm-hmm. oh. If you build it, they will come. I'm going to make this shit out of mashed potatoes. And like, right. And it's, uh, and th- that part is so Steven Spielbergy and so yeah. close encountersy. That's what I love though. I know. That's my do. favorite part. And I don't have a problem with that yeah. very much. I, um, it does. I'll tell you, I really appreciate the slimmed down version of this movie, which is paranormal activity. Um, because paranormal activity just whole cloth stole so much from this movie. Yeah. It's, it's just and and every successful haunting right. movie after this. That's is, what I, that's what I mean. It's like right. a template. It is a template, but uh, they they cut all they trim all the fat in the paranormal activity movies. But one of my favorite acts of all the paranormal activity movies is the first act, where. You feel nice and you're like, okay, it's not yet. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad is happening yet. Yeah. And this dwells on that. This movie really fucking soaks you in right. that to the point where it, it almost doesn't work for me. But it doesn't It doesn't take that much time to do it. Like, it's just enough. It's just it's enough to get, much you, get you to that point. It's I, I would argue it's it's far too much for me. But also ramps up really quickly. I mean, the time the time between the beginning of the movie and the time where Carol Ann is taken is not a long time. If you don't shut your fucking mouth, I will kill you. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so what score do you give it? What score do you give it? I already said ten out of ten. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think I got a. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some hate on this one, but just a, I enjoy it to the, and this is even generous to what I enjoy it to. I enjoy it to the tune of a low seven. Oh fuck you! <laughs> All right, let's. I mean, really, if I, I could very easily move down to a six. Just because it's just bores me. It's just a boring, boring movie. And you gave Paranormal Activity a three, a ten out of ten. Yes, because it does not bore me at all. Mm. It's got me fucking ripped up in terms of terror. <laughs> all right. Well, different strokes for different folks. No accounting for taste. Well, you know what holds up really well. Shirts from Night Channels. <laughs> Night, I'm wearing one right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Nightchannels.com is is one of our sponsors, and they have some of the coolest tees and hoodies that you could find on the internet. Describe my shirt. It's a Tremors shirt. Yeah. It's like the poster of the Tremors. Right. 
It's got it's got the tremor coming up from below and getting ready to eat the words tremors. Yeah. And I love it. It's really cool. It's black and white. Uh, it's kind of has that gritty sort of like uh, staticky vibe, kind of yeah. like an alien shirt you might expect. Yeah, you got to go. I mean, honestly, what we've been telling people is you just have to go and browse nightchannels.com. Um, they have like really obscure uh, horror movies represented there as well as, um, you know, occult and metal and like alternative music shirts the whole spectrum and if why don't you why don't you call out some yeah, of these yeah and if you enter hmt at checkout you get 13 percent off and they'll send you a little slip for even more uh off on your next purchase i think 15 percent off so here we got they got a sallow shirt that's that's the unwatchable the first original unwatchable movie quote unquote um, they got Terminator 2, Altered States, Blade Runner, and all of these are really cool one-off designs that you've you've never seen before. Return of the Living Dead, they got the Tar Zombie, mm-hmm. uh, I forget his name. Friday the 13th, 8-Bit, The Wicker Man, Scanners, The Shining, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Rosemary's Baby, The Predator, Dune, like, oh, they got a guinea pig shirt. I, I watched Guinea Pig 2, Flower of Flesh and Blood the other day. <laughs> And it is alarming. It's just a snuff film. Okay. It's just a guy killing someone and dismembering her. Hmm. And Sounds it's, delightful. Yeah, well, they have uh, they have the original guinea pig, which I haven't seen yet, but it's on my list. So. so honestly, I mean, we could go on forever listing out these shirts, but I mean, you'll you'll come across something that you're like, I can't believe they made a shirt out of that. Yeah. So go browse nightchannels.com. When you inevitably choose to to buy a shirt or a hoodie, use code HMT at checkout for 13% off your first order. The scariest percentage. Um, also, sponsor of the month and uh, the origin of the One Titty Challenge, we have Manscaped.com. Mm. Baby. You know what? Don't you hate cutting your nuts? Oh, oh my God. Jesus. Just... I hate it so much I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> because I bought Manscaped to avoid oh. that. Well, you know, you can imagine the screams that you'd make if you cut your balls. Those are the screams that I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Wow. You need to try this out for yourself. Tell the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has Ooh. been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HMT at checkout at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code HMT. Always use the right tools for your tool. I uh, just want to thank our patrons real quick. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash talk. If you like us, there's even more of us there. We have a whole other afterpod or uh, whole other podcast called The Afterpod where we leave the mics running and talk about various things. Um, a new perk that we added because we actually have advertisers now is an advertisement free version of the podcast that you can get early access to. Um, and those are pretty reasonably priced considering we're giving you hours and hours and hours a month of, uh, content. Yeah. That's at the $6 and 66 cents tier. You can no commercials. Mm-hmm. Also check out our resident artist, Dustin Goble. He's a professional artist who fucks hard. <laughs> he also takes commissions for artwork from HMT fans like really amazing commissions, like really put it to him and he will deliver. Yeah. And at a 
yeah. unfairly reasonable price. Yeah, Jizzy revealed that she commissioned the um, the Cannibal the Musical mm-hmm. print, and that is amazing. Yeah, like, it's it's of such incredible detail that um, like every significant scene is represented on this poster. Yeah, he, that he made. He's got to be putting in unhealthy amounts of time into that. But I mean, and and I was talking to him the other week and I was like, man, I really, I really wish I knew how to draw. And then I thought about that for a moment and said, I really wish I wanted to know how to draw because uh-huh. if I wanted to, I would, because it's just, a, it's so simple. The right, barrier right. to entry is so easy, but the bottom line is I don't want to yeah. bad enough and it's, he's just compelled. Yeah. Um, so anyways, and he's very reasonable price. I mean, Jizzy was a artist herself and even she was like yeah he's probably not charging enough for yeah. this so if you want to exploit dustin check him out at d gobel 0 on instagram that's d zero z d g o e b e l zero zero on instagram let your artistic dreams come true um our number again is 682-253-4468 to leave us a voicemail. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into spoilers. Spoilers. Okay. So, first to address some of the controversies around this movie we already talked about the cursed production but two people died and it's kind of a they're attached to this movie i'm not sure how much of it is has anything to do with the production but probably zero yeah uh but the girl that played carol ann died the fact that more people don't die following movie productions very frequently is actually more impressive than people occasionally die right The teenage daughter, which she's not in very much of this movie, like died like in her 20s and like from a coma. She didn't she never recovered from a coma or something. I didn't really look into it, but there's there's some deaths around it and weirdness. Um, The other controversy is whether or not Toby Hooper actually directed this movie. (laughs) Really? That's an action. That's a. Yeah. A point of contention. Because. Yeah, you read some of the background, you're like, hmm, hmm. What do you mean some of the background? Yeah, it's kind of questionable because it sounds like, and it's pretty much, well, what the production looked like was, so Steven Spielberg wrote and produced this movie. So it's definitely like Spielberg's vision for this movie. Yeah, and his name is plastered all over it. And on set, he was on set like the entire production like for like maybe he was not in it not on set involved in the shooting of it for a small percentage of it but for the most part like he was there uh more or less directing it and um it sounds like toby hooper would like set it up get it get it going and then spielberg would would make all the adjustments (laughs) you know (laughs) um and the thing that spielberg says about it is well toby is kind of a like not a very you know aggressive personality that you know he'll acquiesce you know be well i'll give a good uh, uh, idea and he'll be like oh yeah that sounds good 
kind of thing. That's an interesting take. If you ask the people who uh, were on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you get a totally different perspective on right. Toby Hooper and him cracking the whip. He, that is a notoriously uh, plagued by misfortune and anger set. Right. The other rele- relevant information is um, Toby. So the other thing that people say is that Spielberg uh, made all the storyboards for the whole movie. So this is a pretty important part for, oh. for planning. And then I think there's some kind of contention where Toby said like, oh, I made about half of them, which is still like, shouldn't the director be making all, all of those? Yeah. Um, and then the final one that's kind of like a, a clue is that the the lady that played Tangina is not a big fan of Toby Hooper. And she said that he he had a drug problem. And so he wasn't like probably all there. I'll tell you the real nail in the coffin on this one that kind of points to it being Steven Spielberg. If you watch it. Well, no. <laughs> well, said, yeah, that one, too. <laughs> OK, so the other nail in the coffin. This is something that. Steven Spielberg did a lot of in the 80s (laughs) with uh, Gremlins, you know, Mm -hmm. Gremlins is not, you know, you may not realize this, but Gremlins is not a Steven Spielberg, quote unquote, Steven Spielberg directed film. Yeah, it's uh, Joe Dante, Joe Dante. But I think Joe Dante was like, that feels that doesn't feel like an iconic Steven Spielberg It feels like there were arguments about like going back and forth. It does feel... It does feel about 50% iconic Steven Spielberg uh-huh. to me. And then it feels about 50% Joe Dante. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe there's... A, but there's literally, like, people believe that Toby Hooper did not direct this movie. That it was really Steven Spielberg. And then the other rumor was that it was to get around, like, contracts for him being able to do E.T. at the same time, basically. Mm. Um, so, that is an interesting little bit of trivia. So hopping into the movie, um, I love so many little things about this movie. There's so many like little moments that give this movie color and it starts from the outset and it's just a, just a touchstone of a very good storyteller. You know, those first like opening expositional shots and stuff, are it's really interesting to see how people treat that. And this one, it's the dog walking through the house. I this was the other as soon as I saw that dog, I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce loves this movie. <laughs> to an extent that he's probably not even fully conscious of of. Well I mean that's why I say like this this family Because Bryce just got a dog that looks <laughs> just like this fucking dog. Um well she's cream colored though. Uh okay. completely different. Um no this this family is aggressively all American. Yeah. Like it's like, it's such an anachronism now. Yes. To be like, Oh, it's a white bread family with a golden retriever living in their, you know, single occupancy home. It's got the, it's got the square dad. It's got the hippie mom. It's got their, they, they're <laughs> two and a half kids. Hardcore. Like capitalist, but also like fuck the man. You know, it's it's, right. it's you're such an amalgamation of of Middle America. It's it's almost like they made a checklist and then like, you know, they just just went down it. And now it's like, oh, I mean, it's almost like if you watch this, like I said, it's an anachronism because it feels like 
you can't do that. You can't just have a family that's not broken in in some way or like has someone important die or is like some kind of cultural mix of something or other. Yeah. It's just like, no, these are white bread people. It's a white bread family. Get used to it. In white bread America. Um, and that's what, that's, <laughs> that's what I like about it. That's what I like about it. Cause I'm white bread. Um, but yeah, the dog walking through the house introduces the family and almost immediately we see Carol Ann talking to the TV, uh-huh. uh, the static on the TV and people are a little weirded out by it, but no one really thinks too much about it. This is another thing where kids and dogs as a trope in horror movies, it just works. Solid. It oh, just yeah. works. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's this thing where they don't know what's going on. They're so innocent. They don't think anything's out of place. But they also do weird things all the fucking time. Right. Yeah. Like they're kids, inexplicable. Kids uh, are like naturally creepy. Sometimes. Oh, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Wake up with them hovering over you, staring at you. Yeah. You know, they stare out into space. They talk to nothing. You know? Yeah. It's that happens not in a haunted house. Right. Just yeah. It happened normal. to me the, just a couple minutes ago going to the bathroom in your in your restroom here. I, Your child was standing in the bathroom talking at the floor. And I was like, what are you doing in here? And he's like, I was. And then. Potty's over there, and I um, uh, I gotta go. It's like okay, yeah. Um, so <laughs> lots of lots of little moments. Like I said, one of my favorite little moments was the kids on the street harassing who I labeled as DUI Dan <laughs> on his bike. <laughs> this guy on his bicycle carrying a giant like flat of beer. Yeah, flat of beer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 82. Who, I did, I like, I, so, <clears throat> I was born in 84, you were born in 82, and um, I remember when I was a little kid, like, remote control, maybe it was just by virtue of the fact that I was, that I was so young, but I thought remote control cars were like, super hard to get a hold of. Uh, well, they're way more expensive back then. They were even cheap RC cars, like, like Radio Shack cars. <clears throat> yeah, like Toys R Us, Radio Shack, like not even real radio controlled cars, just toys. Were like fifty bucks, fifty bucks, and which is fifty an bucks back then was money. was like a hundred bucks now. Yeah, you could buy a CD ROM for that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a floppy drive. Uh, but now, like, you can buy a shitty RC car for like ten dollars, six bucks or something. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I do remember watching this as a kid and being like, "Holy God, look at those RC cars!" <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, it was. Yeah, but if you had those RC cars, you wouldn't run them in front of a bike and let them get demolished. Oh my god, no. They were like gold. Gold. But it, but it was worth it to to see DUI Dan on his ass. Um, oh man, so much Star Wars paraphernalia in this movie. <laughs> this is basically a Star Wars and this is the reason why George Lucas is worth double what Spielberg is worth. <laughs> Literally, is merchandising, people. I love the relationship between Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, if, yeah. you, if you know much about it. Because, like, 
they're collaborators. They're they're both auteurs. Like Steven Spielberg is obviously better, but um, obviously George Lucas. You know, now history kind of the full picture is George Lucas kind of fell ass backwards into one of the most iconic movies of all time. Yeah, it's like wow, that was really just like a. Uh, amalgamation of events that was perfect for that one guy. And, uh, but yeah, it's kind of a, can you imagine having a cohort or a friend that's just one of the most successful people in the world in your same field? And you're like, just, just celebrating them. Yeah. By using a bunch of star Wars paraphernalia in your movie and just being like, (laughs) yeah, these are great dude down to the, goddamn light switch right. in that kid's room. They had a, like a really badass looking C-3PO light switch. But I'll tell you, isn't that weird that that's not anachronistic? It's, My kid's room is Star Wars themed. Oh, yeah. No, right. It's like that. That's not like, oh, that was big in the 80s. Right. No. It's like, no, that's big since the 80s. Yeah. My dining room is Star Wars. Right. <laughs> that's really impressive is how quickly they establish all the important elements in terms of like what they need to set up for the scares in this movie. Mm. They set up the TV immediately, right? Like the static on the TV. They set up the scary tree. Yes. With, with, um, what's his name? The boy, the boy, the boy. What's his name? I forgot it already. His name is, it's not Steven. Steven is the, uh, Robbie, Robbie. Um, George, uh, Robbie's, George's, Robbie's fear of the tree and the creepy clown, the creepy clown, the storm, the storm, um, like all of that. Oh, and the closet, the scary closet. Yeah. All of that is established within the first scene, first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. They, they do a good job and back to back to back. Yeah. You know, so like in, in terms of storytelling, it's just really he knows what he's doing. You know? It's tight in terms of storytelling, yes. Yeah. Um, and then after that stuff is set up, immediately it starts going into it. Um, the family is like sitting like a big storm is happening. And what is it? The family's in bed. Yeah. And then Carol All the kids are in bed and the mom and dad are smoking pot in their room. Right. Uh, this is after that, though, because I think they're all in bed, and then Carol Ann comes into their room where the TV is on static, and she's, like, starting to whisper to the TV again Yeah. while everyone's asleep. And all of a sudden, a, a hand jerks out of the TV, Yeah. which, to me, was, like, really effective in terms of, like, the music cue and, like, the, the instant shock of it. And then it almost immediately turns into a weird co- a weird cartoon Disney hand. Right. Like, almost immediately. Yeah, so fast that you'd, that if you blink, you will miss it. Right. Um, that cartoony shit, and along with a lot of the effects in this movie, are super cool, but they don't work at all for me in terms of scares. They just work against the movie. They turn it into a circus slash Disney movie. It's like, okay, well, here it is. This, this is a Disney ride. Yeah, I mean, I understand that perspective. Like, I, I, I could see 
how you wouldn't like it or the aesthetic of it isn't yeah. great. I think it still works. I still really liked it. Like I, I jumped at several moments. So the hand jutting out the giant head coming out of the closet, I think is still effective. Like I think the, the ethereal weird tendril ghost coming down the stairs is still really cool. Like all that stuff. It works for me. Yeah. It's, it still feels very like of the time, but it's the best of the time. I'll tell you, the the stuff that doesn't work is that that when they open the door and like all the stuff is floating around in the room <laughs> and it's very obviously like green screened yeah. and out of scale yeah. with each other yeah it's like who and the it's almost like it was an attempt at three D which right. which would not surprise me I'd be interested to find that out because this is eighty two that's the year. Friday the 13th 3 3D came out. This is right around when everybody was trying mm-hmm. to do the 3D thing. Right. Did you know the silver screen, the the term silver screen, uh, they were actually screens that were silver mm-hmm. and uh, or had silver had woven silver into it. Woven into it and you needed to use them for a lot of these early 3D movies in order for the effect to be pulled off. You can't you can't view Friday the 13th 3D, the original cut, in 3D unless you have a silver screen. You have to watch, like, a remastered 3D version of it. Mm. Anyway. Um, so that that stuff still works for me. But, yeah, like the Red Letter Media did a, an episode on The Exorcist, and they brought up this, like, compare and contrast because The Exorcist also has a scene – where they open the door and shit is flying around the room. Right. Yeah. The difference is, and The Exorcist is way more effective, especially it being scary. Yes. Mm-hmm. The difference is, do you know how they did did it in The Exorcist versus this movie? Well, in The Exorcist, it was all so practical. It was all practical effects. Yeah. It was just people off camera just sh- hucking shit. Right. Just taking taking every like yeah, record and stuff and yeah, just yeah. throwing it across the room violently. Jesus. And this one is like, you know, probably the world's largest computer computing the green screen for about two weeks to get this like, ooh, look, spooky. It's floating around. Look at this lamp in a lampshade. Oh, they're going to fuck. Wow. Oh, they're like, going to fuck. That stuff doesn't work at all now. Yeah. It looks so hammy. Yeah. The, the ethereal stuff, like the lightning effects and like all that. So I think that still works. And that's like, it, it's kind of one of those things where, if you know the limitations of the special effects at the time and you know how to use them well, it still is timeless. Right. That stuff is timeless for me. Like Ghostbusters still looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, and same with like Jurassic Park. Like oh. there are huge limitations. And it's like, no, Spielberg knew what he was doing, knew what CGI could do. And they're like, put it in the rain. <laughs> you right. Know, make it really dark. Right. <laughs> and only show this part. You know, right, and and use practical effects for these parts. Right, right. You know, like there, yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park is one I will always point to as being. That's also a perfect. Completely yeah. timeless yeah. in terms of uh, effects, and you know, to be honest with you, Poltergeist is shockingly good. Mm-hmm. At the special effects, there are this, you know, that bedroom scene is the one, maybe one of two effects that don't hold up 
at all. Mm-hmm. And it hurts because they really don't hold up. Right. But man, I mean, for 1982, I mean, you look at that. If you if you take a look at that house getting getting crumpled up at the end of this movie, mm-hmm. I still I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? <laughs> it looks so good. Yeah, man. And every single good effect, everything that's good in movies from that is timeless in special effects, it all points to industrial light and magic. Like if you're to point to George Lucas's impact on the film industry, that company, Jim Hansen though, too, is the most like successful effects company in history. Mm. And it, it works so well. Like, and it spun off like so many other companies that I, that are also hugely influ- I mean that spun off Pixar. Oh wow, really? Yeah, they're like ILM is like Pixar. Well, we'll work on it for this, but mm, it's Who knows? it's okay. We don't need that. We got our we got our shit together and then they spin off and it becomes Pixar. I would argue the other big one is Jim Henson. Like Sure. I mean, he's the other the, the other side of that of that whole thing all the you know all the things that work about puppetry was all pioneered by jim well yeah yeah but specifically puppetry ilm is like any special effect purpose any cgi anything like that is ilm and others (laughs) you know (laughs) the the closest competitor now um that people talk about is probably like the weta studio Um, like the, the the guys that did um Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um anyways, so now it enters like the my favorite part of the movie, which is the family like toying with it, they're like amused at it. My favorite scenes are the ones with um Diane, the mother, mm-hmm. and the little girl like finding out yeah, that the house is haunted. Where she's, she's like, enthused about it. And she <laughs> She's super enthused about it when when uh, Stephen comes home, and <laughs> she like rushes out. She's like, "You gotta come see this. You gotta see this." And then he's like, "The the the, the cans." <laughs> he's trying to bring in the garbage cans, which is also a great little moment. Um, brings brings him in and shows him like, "You, I put the chair here, and it gets pushed over there." Which is, in, I mean, that's exactly how it. If you discovered that in your house, right. this is what it would look like. Exactly. You you'd be like, "Okay, wait. To get some, I got to get some fucking markers." And then you draw all over your floor and you'd be like, "Okay, well, it could start here and then it goes there. And it doesn't work if I put it here or here or twitch it this way or that way." And then, and then and then you'd be like, "Friends, family, <laughs> behold <laughs> what I have found." <laughs> yeah, like that's that's what I love about the movie is it's that grounds it in reality for me to where, yes, this feels like what, how people would react to this. This feels realistic. Sure. At this point, at this point, yeah. later on, it gets a little, Goofy. they take a little more liberties and what would a normal parent do? Yeah. It becomes kind of a caricature of itself. Um, so anyways, there's lots of other little moments. I keep mentioning little moments, but some of the ones that stand out to me. That's what this movie is. Yeah. It's a huge, overly long amalgamation of little moments. But even outside of this, the main storyline, this is like a touchstone of of Spielberg is like 
when they're talking to the neighbors and the mosquitoes are biting them. And the neighbor's like, I've never been bothered by mosquitoes. Have you? Must be genetic. Have you, boy? He hasn't either. Yeah. It's like just kind of a weird off-the-hand moment, but it's just like, all right, asshole. (laughs) It just makes it – adds a little color to the movie and a little character development. Um like the little mention with Dana in the hotel. She's like, oh, yeah, I know Holiday Inn. And the mother's like, what? What the fuck? What? Yeah, I, I secretly wished we had been doing taglines for this one at mm-hmm. the end because I uh, I, I really wanted to say this tagline. So I'm going to say it. it now. Go for it. Um, uh, Poltergeist. The world's longest Holiday Inn commercial. <laughs> 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 and Pizza Hut. And Pizza Hut, yeah. Apparently, there's like a a really jar- jarring cut th- that happens right at this mosquito moment, too, between the kitchen and when they're talking to... A delivery guy shows up and he's like, I have pizza from Pizza Hut, the best they, pizza delivery service ever. Because they mention Pizza Hut, and then Craig T. Nelson's character, apparently, in the cut version um says like i hate pizza hut it tastes like shit basically and they're like uh pizza hut doesn't like that we got to take out that part and they're like sabrina don't just stare at it eat it eat the pizza hut um yeah the neighbor the the parents getting high like all these little moments that you could cut out yeah it doesn't really add anything specific to the story but it adds character and flair yeah yeah this is how it must feel for you, when I'm so excited about a movie that you're like, this is dumb. I don't care about this. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to be on the other? Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it weird to be on the other end of this? To be like enthused about it and have somebody else be like, Ugh. all right. You don't like all those little moments? They're fine. Mm. I just don't care. You know, like, okay, that's not that's not true. I really like the part where they're getting high in bed. It mm-hmm. makes them believable as people. Uh huh. The problem is you got no one to pump the brakes. I'm bought in now. And you're talking about fucking mosquitoes. But they all take like, they take like two seconds. Right. And it's all those nothing. two second, 10 million two second minute deals add up to a, a half hour of shit that I don't need to see. You take that out though. It's like every other movie. It's like you get, it's just complete. I don't know. Mm. I think it I think it just adds personality, adds humor to the movie. Yeah, I mean it's definitely the kind of movie that it is, which is, you know, close encounters of right. the third kind, but horror. Um so it ramps up all of this just randomly on one night the this huge storm happens. Robbie gets grabbed by the creepy tree that he's scared of, which is like great. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It, it it goes from zero to sixty in such, and everybody gets to see it. And this is the this is this is part of my problem with it. These things that are just uh, so unacceptably, uh, totally not okay. Everybody is there to witness the, the fucking tree reached into the house and started eating Robbie, and they're out in the mud prying him out of the tree and then the next day we're eating breakfast and it's like why why isn't somebody cutting down this tree and then they keep living in the house i'd be gone didn't the tree get 
yanked out by the tornado though? Tornader. Um e- oh yeah, it did get it get, got pulled up. But they're still in the house and and nobody's <laughs> and nobody's like, remember when that giant tree reached into the house and started eating Robbie? Everybody's well, yeah, like, the, I like kicks. What do you like? Well, <laughs> see, that's the thing though. At the exact same time, Carol Ann was sucked into the closet into the nether realm. And so they're not going to normally you would just leave the house be like well fuck that like that's <laughs> okay not, okay good point the chairs was the chairs was fun but when you when when trees start eating my son no, we go to the Holiday Inn and have Pizza Hut for dinner. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that the part of this that that gets me is like the level of bullshit that they're willing to put up with is unbelievable. See, that's uh, it skips the part where it fills in all that because it goes from her being taken and them like panicking right. to cut to four uh, days later, Craig T. Nelson like. Who indefinite amount of time, but he is like haggard, huge, dark bags under his eyes, and he's like on his last yeah legs. And so, it, if you're to compare it to The Exorcist, like you see a little more of of uh, what's her name, yeah, Reagan's mom, like trying to go through all these different avenues right. and, and having hitting roadblocks and yeah. having no one believe her or having like nothing working. It skips all of that. Right. It goes straight to him in the office of the paranormal investigators and on his last leg and brings him in. And so that's another reason where, why I can, where I can point to and I say like, that's smart. They cut out all that stuff. Just jump forward. It communicates so much in that jump cut. To me, I mean, I think it's great storytelling. Right, and that's what, and that's, and that's the thing that, well, no, that's, the, the, the really, the big, my big problem with this is the amount of shit that they're willing to endure. <laughs> like. Right, but I mean, that's what's communicated by that, is that the fact that they're able to endure it, they're desensitized to it because they've been around it for long enough. No, and I'll tell you why. Here's the proof is when all this when all this is said and done at the end and they get their little girl back, they're hanging out in the house taking naps and shit, soaking in the tub. No. Are you kidding me? No, th- that makes sense though because Tangina said the house is clear. They, does they think make, that does not make any sense. You're going to have all that shit happen. A tree eat your son. Yeah, but the closet eat your daughter. They're You're moving though. Weeks. The of... next the next scene is they're packing up the moving truck. They are moving. It's. I would be. I. You would not be able to pay me any sum of money to stay in that house because my life is in danger. Well, hotels are expensive, David. <laughs> uh. And that's why we have the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> so. That's the other great moment is the paranormal paranormal investigators coming to the house and them talking about like, it's amazing. We've, we've got on film a matchbox car going across a room over the space of 48 hours. It moves seven feet in 48 hours. And like, wow. I got it on high on a, you know time-lapse camera yeah so you can see it move and and uh steven's reaction to that is just perfect he's like oh yeah because they're going up to the door of the bedroom wow and he's just like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm 
and he opens the door and then it's like i got a ghost in here that's gonna suck your dick (laughs) and it shows their reaction these people that are like they've dedicated you know their career to this of like have a claim and then the next shot is them like shaking in like fear and uh excited right yeah um I would love a remake of Poltergeist that featured Zach Baggins as the paranormal investigator. Who's Zach Baggins? <laughs> or just any one of the modern day uh, paranormal investigator reality show crews. Oh. Where it's like ghost <laughs> encounters. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I think his name's Zach Baggins. He's the guy that like comes in. If he was in this movie, he'd be like, Demon spirit, we we know you have Carol Ann. We heard that you don't like don't like ice. I'm gonna crunch up this fucking ice. Are you gonna show me where you are? Yeah. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Dustin recently bought us both a video game that's exactly this. Right. That's exactly this. I tried playing it with him. It was horrifying. <laughs> I've I my computer can't take it. I'm rebuilding. I'm building a new one that as, I'm excited as we record as this. we record this. So I'm excited to do it. Uh, we'll have to talk about that on the afterpod. We yeah. haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, anyways, that that stuff's all great, and then it ramps up like really quick. Um, you know, they start seeing all the ghosts. They get stuff on film. Um. They have just weird, just off-the-cuff special effects. You keep mentioning, and this is one of the like great things that it shows, this has a whole range of stuff for everyone, uh, where if you are into gore yeah. and special effects, like the scene with the investigator where he's seen like, the stake crawl across the room and then kind mm-hmm. of explode with steak yeah with gore and then he with go- steakness <laughs> and then he goes into the bathroom and starts ripping off his fucking face yeah in that the mirror. that was i mean this this movie existed before the pg-13 rating but that almost pushed it to an r for me that right. scene alone where he's literally ripping his face off down to the past the musculature and into the bone i'd like to take his his face Excuse me, I have to use the little boy's wee-wee room. Cat. You want to take his face? Yes. His face? Eyes. It really loses stuff if you don't see the hand movement for it, though. Face off. Um, and and you know, and this is this is we're getting back to the the thing I don't like about this is how much you're allowed to soak in it to the point that it loses any any effective scariness that it once had. 
Hmm. Oh, so there's a portal in the house. Well, you know what? Let's play fucking catch with the portal. And now we're tossing balls back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we got a rope and it's going through. And now it's not anything any any more than a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not spooky. It's just a fucking thing that exists in your house like a like a carousel. Well, I mean, they they only go into it once and get Carol Ann out. Yeah, but then she tosses a tennis ball in. And it's not just one tennis ball, mm-hmm. Mark, number one. It's another tennis ball. Oh, shit, that's in my writing, too. And now let's get a rope through it. And now let's get a person through it. And it's like, it's yeah. just too much. It it's all... not scary. Because all these things... They're they're well, great at the in same, concept. At the same time, you hear like a monster like growling and running after an unseen Carol Ann that's you know may or may not cease to exist. You know. Yeah. The yeah. one thing that got kind of um, tired or like, what are they? What's the, what's the time? It's kind of like um, a crutch for them a little too much, where they're like, "There's a light." Carol Ann, run to the light. Now run away. Turn around. Don't look at the light. Now run to it. Go through the light. Don't. Don't go through the light. Go to it. Go to it. It's calling to you, but don't look. But like don't. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's it's true. Like, Can you close your eyes? Can you see it through your eyelids? <laughs> um, but yeah, and then, I mean, I think it's, I think the pacing is really well because it, it goes to the point where, all right, can we get this fucking girl out of the netherworld already? And they do. And Tangina is like, you know, this place, the house is clean. Is the, I missed it. Does she say, is this a movie where she says, this house is clear? Yes. Is that this? Okay, yeah. I missed that in, in this viewing. Yeah. Um, And then kind of the, the epilogue is... You know, hold like basically another f- another act yeah. because they set it up to where okay everything's fine. They say Caroline doesn't remember any of it. Um, they're packing up everything. Stephen quits his job. Um, oh yeah, we skipped over like the real. Oh no, are we at that part yet? No, yeah, yeah, okay. So they they start moving, but they have one last day in the house, and then it goes like absolute bonkers. Um, there's implied ghost molestation with Diane, which it's hot. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, I don't kink shame. Yeah. Um, okay. But the it's trying to eat the kids again, the the closet, and then they run away. Stephen gets there. This is the part where where Aaron wasn't watching it with me, but she was watching something else on her laptop in the same room. And she looked up and watched like this last sequence, which if you're not, if you haven't been invested in the movie and if you can't hear anything, any of the sound design or music, it looks like a Disney ride. (laughs) If you're to watch what happens, which is Steven yelling at his boss, like expositionally, you idiot, you didn't move the bodies. You, you only moved the... <laughs> you only moved the headstones! And she said, like... She loved that she was watching it, and the family's, like, stuck in the house, like, Steven, save us! And then he turns around and yells at his boss, and then all of a sudden, the family's outside, like, getting in the car. Like, uh, oh, I yeah. guess they remembered that it was their house, and they know where the other door is. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Um, And then she said the moment... This is the part where I laughed out loud, because she said, the moment where Steven is 
like struggling with his keys trying to <laughs> start the car was straight out of an infomercial <laughs> like the yeah. before shot in an infomercial like what, what's that what's that subreddit where'd the milk go or something um, like that? Just spaghetti um yeah it's it's yeah the, it's, something yeah something like it's that. this it's you know it's the where thing, did where did the soda go where did the soda go yeah it's it's this thing where the this this action is too hard for me. I'm just, oh, I'm just a big dumb oaf. Oops, oops, because we're in an infomercial and we need to sell these towels that mop up way more than they should be able to. I imagine that this movie in the theater, knowing, not having, like, seen this type of, like, family horror movie. Yeah. Um, in a group of people that were reacting to it, the ramping up and, like, the just bonkers ending... If you're into it, I can't imagine that there'd be a better experience. Oh man, hearing all the, other people react to it and stuff. And, all the grave explosions, all these, yeah, all these. <sighs> so help me here, I'm a little iffy. Is this a Native American burial ground, or is this just a burial ground? Is this just a cemetery? That's because a good there's, question. There's a point in this movie where the boss says it's not like it's a Native American burial ground, uh-huh. insinuating that the other one might have been. Uh-huh. But then when we get to the family, to this final act where the family is being basically tossed out onto the streets by their house, uh-huh. uh, you have all these coffins. Mm-hmm. Coming up with people in tuxes getting shot out of them and uh-huh. stuff like that. <laughs> Boo! And. That was, mean, one of, that was one of the best scenes was as they're pulling away in the car. One last ghost like shoots out of, it, out right. of a coffin, lands on the the front windshield like a sucker fish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like Native Americans can't wear suits or, or or be placed in coffins. But when you think about Native American burial grounds, mm-hmm. there there's a. There's an aesthetic that's evoked right. in your mind, right? If you're a racist, horrible person, white person, yeah, um, like us, which I'm not. No, oh, sorry, not like us. Yeah, no, like apparently you. Okay. But uh, that being said, I, I'm a little iffy on whether or not this was a Native American burial ground because that's definitely something that is said about this movie. You know, yeah, because the like, boss also lied about moving the body, so right. he could have also lied about it being a. Native American. I think it it goes more into that in in a in a Poltergeist two. Mm. Um, there's an element of Native American lore in it because I know that they bring out like a like a Native American, um, you know, I don't know what Native Americanized. Uh, Native Americanized. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Like shaman. Mm-hmm. Um, in that movie. Um, but I think the main kind of villain is the is Kane, the capitalist, is, is like an old, um, the ghost of like an old preacher that kind of had a cult around oh, him. Oh, okay, I'm wrong. Um, so had something to do with that. Um, anyways, I love I love the ending. This is very, a very Spielbergian ending where yeah. it's just the exhausted family, completely depleted, limping into this Holiday Inn. Um, and, and then like finally Craig T. Nelson just wheels out the TV. Yeah. Just shoves it. Like, fuck this TV. (laughs) Get this out of here. Yeah. It's a very Jurassic Park E ending. Yeah. Uh, You know, Craig T. Nelson had, has, I should say quite a prolific career more so than you. I can't realize. I can't 
separate him from Coach. I know. That's Always what my, that's what my wife said. She's like, did you watch Coach? I was like, fuck no. <laughs> I don't think I even watched Coach that much, but he's Coach. He's he's like an unfunny but very talented Chevy Chasey dude, which is tall, yeah. white man who is in who is who is a decent enough actor. You know, he's, he's I think he's I think he's funny. Oh yeah, he's, sure. He's got great timing. He's uh he's in The Incredibles. He's Bob Parr right. in The Incredibles. I think see, I think he's underappreciated and I I uh I accept the fact that I underappreciate him. Yeah. It's the same thing with um uh Jim Belushi. Right. I think he's great. I, don't like I know you hate Jim Belushi, but I think he's underappreciated in terms of like he's good. Okay. He's good. He's also he's got comedic chops. He's got timing. You know who I'll give that that title to is um Kevin James. Is like he's good. Yeah. He's he's just prolific in something you may not like or want right. to like. Yeah, you know, Kevin James is I mean, that's a different thing. Kevin James is like one of the best physical comedians of our generation. Of the last decade. Yeah, like for that's, sure. That's different. Um, yeah, Craig T. Nelson was in Wag the Dog, The Devil's Advocate, which is a great one. Coach lasted for almost 10 years. Yeah. The whole 90s almost, nine, up until 90, from 89 to 97. Mm-hmm. He was in it's so many things. Yeah. yeah. No, he was like super recognizable. Turner as Craig Hooch. T. Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. Uh, uh, so anyways, final recommendations. I mean, I guess we're kind of split on this. I totally get it if it's not anyone's bag, but I can't. I think it's oh perfect for that lane. Oh, like, yeah. I can't think of another. We're not split on that. Movie that's as general audience friendly. Oh, yeah. As poltergeist even even gremlins has a little too much like well i mean it's in the same realm as it's gremlins. very yeah. gremlinsy in terms of the realm i would say that this is a fantastic movie to get kids into horror mm-hmm. with. this is yeah uh, it, it it's so well-rounded mm-hmm. in, in all the different aspects it's just you know, if you've seen it a couple too many times, it's man, it's just it's too much for me. It's just yeah. boring. But I will say that uh, it's such an impo- quote unquote important movie, mm-hmm. and it's not bad by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination. I, it's just mileage may vary in terms of enjoyment. You mm-hmm. know, I right. mean, if you haven't seen it, holy shit! Like this is this is the template for the modern paranormal movie right it's it's i mean we just watched paranormal, all of the recipes we just watched paranormal activity three and and like the part where the daughter is talking to the unseen ghost is like straight almost like verbatim it's like they Carol took her Ann face says. off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please no, not the whole thing. i'd like to take his his face <laughs> yeah it's it's very much like that um so anyways yeah highly recommend this this is a i think i include this on my top like five or ten i i think i think you probably movies. do i'm gonna check that just to make sure <laughs> the other one that's like super close to it which is almost the exact same story is like a made for tv movie called 
The Haunting, which I also absolutely love. You very rarely mention The Haunting, but um, I would I would really like to watch it because well it's, it, it's on YouTube. Like you can find the full thing in like a shitty um, like potato quality on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah you, it's not on DVD or anything. It's like this played in the mid nineties on TV once. on ABC one time and it was on VHS once maybe. So anyways, um, I love these type of movies. This is like straight in my lane. Um, and okay. Maybe it's from a point of privilege. <laughs> it's a, it's a proto, um, like modern, paranormal movie right it, it is not a it's the yeah right so anyways um let's move on to the new game Ooh. shouldn't take too long um okay remake or no remake so in this i don't have any music in this game i've got a total of ten ten Movies. A lot of these are classics, and you have to tell me whether it is a remake or not a remake. Are you ready? I will do my best. Number one. Mm. Made in 1982, Slumber Party Massacre. Has there been a remake of the 1982 Slumber Party Massacre? Oh, has there been? I was going to say no. There is n- that was not a remake. But has there been a remake? Has of there it? been a remake since? <sighs> Sorry, yeah. So that's let me explain. The game is right. I'm going to read a classic movie, and you have to tell me whether there has been it's a been remake. Remade. Yeah. Ah, this is more complicated. So than remake that. or no remake. Slumber Party Massacre. I have to... I'm going to have to say, because I believe it has not been remade, I'm going to say you. that's exactly the kind of thing you would have wanted me to say on the first question, so I'm going to say, it has been remade. No, it has not. God damn, I was right! Number two. The movie we are filming, or we're recording about today, Poltergeist, 1982. Has there been a remake of Poltergeist, not including sequels? Yeah, so, uh, do reimaginings count as remakes? It has to have the exact same title. The exact same title? So, if this is the Poltergeist... Yeah, is there another movie called Poltergeist that tells the same story? Yes, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, it's... It's either the Poltergeist or Poltergeist, and it was like 2010 or 11. You're right. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Oh, you didn't? I didn't know there was a remake. Yeah, I got excited for it at the time, and then I didn't end up going to watch it, which, as it turned out, was the right move, apparently, (laughs) according to critics. 2015. 2015? Mm -hmm. Damn. That's a lot later than what I thought. Okay. Um, John Carpenter's. 1980 film, The Fog. Oh, uh, so first of all, I watched The Fog on Shudder. Um, enter HMT at checkout, get you 30 days free. Uh, and man, was it boring. Oh, yeah. God, I've never I, been so bored. See, 
I heard so many people talking about this great John Carpenter film and that it was like, you have to see it. It, it has a harrowing ending. One of the weakest. And John I watched Carpenter. The Fog. And I'm like, this is boring as fuck. And I, re- I found out like, no, it's, it's boring not, as John, fuck. not John Carpenter. It's it's The Mist. Right. They're talking about The Mist, oh, okay. which is Stephen King's yeah, no, story. I'm almost 100% certain that uh, the same year The Mist came out, the remake of the fog came out, so yes, I'm going to say this is this was remade. You are correct. I think it was like 2001 or two. Okay, is that right? That is two? correct. One or two. Uh, 2005. Oh, okay. Okay. 19. Speaking of Stephen King hmm. movies, Cujo from 1983 has Cujo been remade? I think Cujo has a. Sequel, I think. Not talking sequel. I know. I'm just just making conversation here. Does that sound right to you? How is that a sequel though? They killed the dog at the end. I know. But am I right though? There's a dog named Cujo too. <laughs> in lo- no, this is the dog named Don't- in loving memory of Cujo. You can't um, Google it. That's cheating. No, I'm not googling it. Um. <clears throat> so between 1983 and now has there been a remake of Cujo boy 83 was the original Cujo I'm I think it has been but I still want to say no oh boy oh this it's is a real Sophie's choice here uh now do like made for TV things count just no we're talking theatrical release I'm gonna say no then Oh, thank God. Okay. Another Stephen King movie. Mm. Christine. Same year, 1983. Christine is about the car, right? Yeah. It's been a remake of Christine. Christine. About the car. You know, I vaguely remember some mid to, you know, like aughts. Um, remake of Christine. I'm not sure of that, but I'm going to go with my um, my lady's sense and say yes. It was remade. Wrong. Oh. Has not been remade. Dang. I know there's at least one member of the Facebook group that wishes there re- was a remake of Christine. It's, I don't know if they're still on the Facebook group. I haven't seen him post the exact same content over and over again. Oh, that, no. You think, well, I mean, he's probably obsessed with Christine as well, but mostly what he makes posts of is the car. Right. A, a movie called The Car. No, I thought it was, I thought the car was Christine. No, The Car is a different movie. Oh. Both car-based horror. <laughs> I can see why you would get confused. Okay. All right. Um, he does good drawings of them. All right. A little more recent. Mm. So how this may or may not be an easy one. Mm. 2002. What am I at here for score? You're at three. Three, four. Three, four, five. Three, four, five. So you're still on the good good edge of it. Okay. Cabin Fever, Mm. directed by Eli Roth from 2002. Yeah, this did get remade. Somewhat inexplicably, and I think with Eli Roth's help or something like that. Um, so yes, I think so. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a weird one to remake. Yeah, it was like okay, but why? It was just a couple of years ago. <laughs> but I guess that's how those things work. Okay, another '80s classic, late '80s, 1987. 
The Lost Boys. Oh, man. The Vampires. This is a good choice on your part. Yeah. <laughs> man, how did you... Tell me, what was your method for going through and picking these? Because you've done a good job of making them thoroughly, confusingly... Like, yeah, they could go either way very easily. Right. Um, I, I did a couple Google searches. Like, lesser known remakes or... Um, yeah, but how'd you find the ones that don't have remakes? Because they're still convincing. I think I just Googled like horror movies without a remake. Google, is, had a list Google is so good at yeah. everything. It's scary. I'm going to say it would be, it would really be, it would really, it would really make a lot of people very angry if this one was remade because I think a lot of people... Okay. Hold this is such a uh, a cult classic, but now I'm seeing your so you're your, gonna say no, uh, your bad poker face <laughs> coming through here. So I'm gonna say yes. There's been a remake. Uh, wrong. Damn. No remake. Damn. No! <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one that I was like, this is perfect for this game. It is perfect because they just remade Red Dawn, and this is like almost. The exact same lane. Yeah. What's the guy's name? It's not Kiefer Sutherland. It's, uh... No, Kiefer Sutherland was in The Lost Boys. Oh, okay. When was the last time you saw him in anything? <laughs> a couple of years ago. 24. Mm-hmm. Probably. 24, and he's made several reminiscent movies and and TV shows that are exactly like 24. You guys remember 24? I did that. Um, okay. Similar lane... This one may or may not be hard. Um, 1985. Stand by me. Fright Night. Uh, Has Fright Night been remade? People love this fucking movie. And I've seen it, and it's just so, so normal. It's hmm. like, okay. I haven't seen it. Neat. It's just very like, all right. For me, it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I think I remember them talking about ma- remaking it. I don't know if that actually ended up happening. Remake might be in the works as we speak or something like that. Um, okay, I'll tell you, I don't include any that have remakes in the works. Oh, okay. Uh, that I know of. I haven't, I didn't check it. Anyway. I'm going to say, I don't know. Jesus. But the ones that I know that are remakes, it's been made. This is just tossing a coin, so I'm going to say no, I guess. Wrong. Really? 2011, there was a remake of Fright Night. Wow. Yeah. Where, how am I doing? You are at four, and we have two left. Oh, I need to get them both to win. So you have a chance One to, tie. to win it. All right. Here it comes. Here it is. Horror classic. Okay. George Romero's 19... 19- 68 Night of the Living Dead Night of the Living Dead How could it not have been, right? Right? 1968 which means 70, 80, 90 like 60 years This, I mean, it's such a fog of zombie movies though Yeah Could go either way it's, you know Dawn of the Dead has been remade. Oh, yeah. That's, that's no question. I'm going to say, yes, this has been remade. Correct. Oh, thank God. Okay. 
to win it. Okay, I got it tied up. To win it. Got a five out of ten. Or a five out of nine. Here we go. Here we go. The People Under the Stairs from 1991. I just watched this this year, or rewatched it this year. Mm-hmm. It does. It holds up only as a 90s movie. Mm. Um, and I remember, man, one of my earliest horror memories comes from a friend talking about this and me being just like, being like, there's this movie and it's called The People Under the Stairs. And it's about these people that are under the stairs and they're kept in this house by this evil couple. And I was like, oh, this is the scariest thing I've ever heard of. Um, I think this is Wes Craven movie. Uh, the original is anyway. It's mm. Wes Craven. And I'm going to say that it has been remade. Wrong. Oh, has not been remade. Oh, darn. Wow. So it's a tie. Tie. So five out of ten. I have a tiebreaker. Oh! <laughs> I just came up with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. We recently... I don't even know if we've... Oh, yeah. We, we've released this. Um... Rosemary's Baby. <gasps> this is a spectacular question. Has Rosemary's Baby been remade? Oh, man. This is so hard. Another one in the 60s. Yes, I'm going to say yes, it has. According to the rules of this game, no. No. What it has not. What's the situation? Um, it's been remade as a TV movie. It's not a theatrical release. I found it really a two-part TV movie starring uh, Zoe, what's her name, as Rosemary. Oh, I probably shouldn't search on IMDb. It's probably it'll be all confused. Rosemary's baby. It's your baby, Rosemary. Yeah, 2014 miniseries, television yeah. miniseries, Rosemary's Baby. Wow. So. Bummer, I lost. You lose. Good day, sir. What a, what a cool game. I like that game. I think we'll only be able to play it once. <laughs> like, those are, it's such a lane. Yeah. It's that's, such a lane where it's like. Yeah. These would obviously be remade or. Yeah. These like, are the exact type of movies of like, they're so iconic, but you've never the remakes had no attention to them whatsoever. Yeah, here here let me do here, me, here let me try. Okay. Reanimator. No. Are are am I sure about this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Reanimator, let's see here. Uh, There's been a sequel, probably a couple sequels. There was one sequel that I know of for sure. That feels like a movie that would have a sequel that you know of and like 13 that you've never heard of. I guess I have to ask. Uh, oh, uh, remake? Let's see here. It doesn't appear. Oh, oh, Herbert West, Reanimator 2017. Let's see if this is. Let's see here. I thought it was Herbert After the loss Herbert. of his daughter, Eleanor, famous scientist Dr. Herbert West, experimenting with a special serum in- invented by him, desperately tries to bring her back to life and technically reanimator is just kind of a a reimagining of the brain that wouldn't die which was kind of 60s yeah so i mean yes the answer is yes there's been a remake in 27 it's called reanimator and it's not a sequel uh 
What's the title? Of My it? apologies. I read this wrong. It, the t- actual title is called Herbert West colon reanimator. Hmm. So no, that, yeah, that, no, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit your, no, not, not exactly the rubric, but that's, that's close. Okay. Pretty close. Pretty close. That was remake or no remake. Thank you so much for listening again. We love your support. We love your listens. We love your downloads. We love you. We, we love the way that your eye twitches when you smile. Like, I love the way that you put on your shoes in that certain way. That way that you do. Um, go to horrormovietalk.com to find links to all of our social media. You can talk to us and tell, you, tell us that you love us or hate us. Um, also, our voicemail number is six eight two two five three four four six eight i love the way you purse your lips while you sleep mm-hmm. and um again check out our patreon you got lots of good perks uh, at all different levels any support that you can lend us is awesome we love you until next time bye stay spooky stay cute, <laughs> spooky out there guys <laughs> Looking for a podcast full of burps and gas, perverted cast, skinny and fat, look no further. Horror Movie Talk is accidentally funny, begs to donate money, fake sponsors for dummies, and so much more. New episodes every hump day, they'll pickle your dickle for foreplay. Patreon members have it your way, vote for a movie every month for the review. Chopper chopper, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco, put your tongue through the phone, hoodie Picasso, look at them hot kids, swear not a pedo, got me too with Cosby eating jello, pudding pop done gave Bryce flatulence, train addict addict Dave doesn't give a shit, one through ten is it horrible or excellent, oil me up, daddy is dinner, percent kiss, Bryce Hansen, look at them hot kids, Chris Henson, masturbate with a crucifix, exorcist, face hugger, chest bursters, alien, Linda Blair, Pete, no Sigourney Weaver, I know it's true cause it came from social media, Patrick Bateman can't understand you, stab you to death for rotten apple reviews, opinionated podcaster with a doctorate, spook allergy, doctor of philosophy, bad gastritis, knee colostomy, turn patreons into human centipedes, David Doobie Day, scare no no expert, a global fucks hard, professional sex expert, after pods taglines and porno flicks, American Psycho, them guys pretty sick. Chopper, chopper, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco. Put your tongue through the phone, hoodie Picasso. Look at them hot kids, swear not a pedo. Got me too with Cosby eating jello. Pudding pop done, gave Bryce flatulence. Train addict, addict Dave doesn't give a shit. One through ten, is it horrible or excellent? Oil me up, daddy is dinner rubs. Nothing good happens in the woods. Always get more than you bargain for. Got a pickle to dickle. Machines tickle bitties. Vancouver, Portland, Oregon, and organs. Corona, COVID, curse, Lorona. Green River Killer, because reasons. 
Hallway of poop monster kids screaming. Ain't your ordinary dingleberry itinerary. 30 days shudder and jump scares. Ain't fucking scary. Time for the spoilers with jokes and tropes. Use their white socks to catch their loads. To show them one titty pretty. Paganism you should worship. They Teflon dicks. Pacific Northwest, let them see one breast. Shifty ass, stay spooky. Poor man's digress. Bugsy. HMT. Horror movie talk. Hold on, they don't like Halloween. Fuck them. I'd like to take his, his face off. Yes. If you, excuse me, I have to use the little boy's wee-wee room. Cat. You want to take his face? Yes. His face? Peace.